Good afternoon, lads and lasses, and welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. Today, we'll talk about the newly released USMNT roster. Can Greg Berhalter's squad survive without Christian or Geo? Can we survive another round of qualifiers coached by Greg Berhalter? Will Greg Berhalter survive at all? We'll discuss all that ahead. Plus, the Champions League is in full swing, the City SC Academy is in top gear, and the three lads met face-to-face for the very first time. It's a lot to cover, so let's kick off. So close, no matter how far, couldn't be much more from the heart, forever trust in who you are. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Soccer Talk Labs podcast. We are a podcast that believes unapologetically that a hot dog is not a sandwich. So if you differ in your opinion on that issue, please turn the podcast off immediately. My name is Stephen Ground. I'm one of three men on this podcast who did not miss a penalty kick as badly as Bruno Fernandez did this weekend. Uh, I am joined by a person that line probably insulted more than most, Justin Horniker. Justin, you traveled to St. Louis just to watch Arsenal eviscerate Tottenham this weekend, uh, and mostly to bask in Ian's suffering. How are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, it was it was fun watching Ian suffer like that. I I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, as as the very first time that you've gotten to do that in person, mm. it was a big deal. And returning to the podcast, he was not lost. He was just searching through a giant warehouse in Alsace-Lorraine looking for a jar of Mikel Arteta's uh, elusive hair gel. It's Ian Peters. He's back, folks. Welcome back, Ian. How are you? Um, I'm recovered since Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Or so I believe to be true. I have some distant relatives that live in Alsace-Lorraine, so I I phoned them up to help you get back. Yeah, that's why I chose chose it for you. Um, Ian... (laughs) We dragged you out into public, which is already a big commitment for you, and forced you to watch soccer, which is an even bigger commitment. And then uh, Tottenham did that to you. How are you feeling? How's how's how are mm-hmm. things going? You know, deep down inside, I feel betrayed on many levels, um, <laughs> on most levels, really. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, it, it was a good time. It's a good time. It's a good time. I I will go back to to Amsterdam's. Good. And yeah, we, did travel, we did travel all the way to Amsterdam for uh, this uh, this particular game. So I didn't know, care impressive. for the red light district. I just I didn't <laughs> care for it. Not your scene. Not buying into the hype. Um, yeah. So this uh, that was the kind of our big thing for the weekend. You want to jump in there and just talk about that first, and then do the US and MNT stuff. Let's Easy do it for me to say while we're here. Uh, this was our uh, first ever opportunity to meet in person. Justin traveled over from across the state on the KC side. Justin, mm-hmm. much taller than I expected you oh. to be. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I uh, told you that, but you know that was that a nice was average six foot five eleven and a half, whichever whatever yeah, day. It well, is. you know, I don't know why I didn't think you were like <laughs> short, but then when you walked in, I was just like, oh, he's like a tall person. But anyway. That was my big takeaway. I'm sure you were just shocked by how stunningly handsome I am in person, sure, as most was, people yeah. are. But 
Um, it yeah, off. it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was not uh, not a good game for Tottenham. It was a great game for Arsenal. Our friend Jeff, who was the fourth in our potty party or our potty, had a <laughs> uh, great time. And uh, Nuno is uh, not in a great place right now. I would say. How do you feel about that, Justin? Yeah, um, I heard a stat the other day that Graham Ruthven said that Nuno coach teams had scored like 37 goals in their last 44 games between Tottenham and Wolves. I'm not sure if that's the exact stat, but the important part was that he is coaching teams to average less than a goal per game, which is not ideal. It's not It's not great. That's not perfect. Uh, Ian, how does that stat make you feel? Um, makes me think, how fast can we get this man out of here? <laughs> Yeah, Nuno de Santos, more like Nuno de Goodbyes. I didn't have any. Like Nuno, more like Nuno. Nuno. <laughs> We're here all it's week, not, folks. It's not de Santos either. Anyway, it's just Santos. Santo, Santo. you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I do like his epic beard, but I'm not convinced by his uh, unepic tactics, shall we say. On the other side of the ball, uh, the gorgeous, the handsome, the too pretty to fail, uh, Mikel Arteta, has he saved his job for the for the near term, do you think, here, Justin? That's what I'm really curious about. Like, I want to know, I think for the near term, yes, but I want to know, like, long term, what it would take, because I don't think he's done a good job, obviously, and they won three in a row, so that definitely saves them for now but if they finish in like seventh or eighth place again like does that work for arsenal or is that like i don't know where their ambition is right now i guess would be a good way to put that yeah i mean they cannot possibly think that they can compete with the top of the table teams mm, right? right but but maybe they do and they're just delusional too <laughs> you know like it's a little hard to tell um, I would think he's got to be safe for now, partially mm-hmm. because like there's not somebody out there that you're like, oh, yeah, this guy would be so much better at coaching yeah, this team. That's the other thing, know? right? It's like it's the same with Bar- with Barcelona, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But like if you fire him, who is coming in to fix that? There's no right. one really available. Yeah. And you're not going to like you're not going to if you were going to make a change from Arteta, you would have done it in the off season, mm-hmm. not now after, you know, three wins in a row, he had three losses in a row to start the season. And that could have been your opportunity too, but uh, you didn't take it. And now you, I think are going to just have to sort of stick with him. Let's yeah, see. And I the- think the other thing is, I don't think Stan is necessarily as on hand of an owner to where he's going to fire. Yeah. Mid season. Yeah. Well, you've got Brighton coming up and they are, high on the table right now so that could be a big matchup and if you lose that before the break then that could be a pressure point but beyond that i don't know you know you've got crystal palace aston villa leicester to round out october mm-hmm. i feel like you know you'll probably at least take five or six points from that and you know who knows i just i just think they're like that kind of third tier team behind the true competitors and then the rest of the top four or six and they're sort of back in that seven to ten range right now you know and yeah it's funny because i think tottenham and arsenal are like in there together for different reasons like Mm -hmm. i think tottenham is a much better team like quality wise not necessarily sure coaching wise but they're kind of in that same realm of like probably not going to challenge for champions league would maybe mm-hmm. be happy with an Europa, Europa League finish, 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was another, it was a pretty good match day all around for uh, the Premier League. Why don't you walk us through it there, Justin? Yeah. So I don't know why first... I've been saying your name so much this podcast, but you know, I enjoy it. You learned it for the that first establishes time. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Thank you for saying so. I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I haven't had two people to quarterback. So now I have to have, you know, I have to keep Ian separate from Justin. We got to give him, we yeah. got to give him something to work with. Let's make him really sweat, Justin. <laughs> That's right. Uh, which was maybe the, uh, I don't know, most anticipated match of the week. You had Chelsea taking on Manchester City, Chelsea at home. Relatively, like, I don't know. I find these games fascinating because it was kind of low event. But when you know what's going on, and you know that both of these managers are kind of like counterpunching each other. Um, Manchester City got it right and had a brilliant game, I would say, and end up winning one nothing off a goal from Gabriel Jesus, who is kind of their bonafide striker at this point and you know they probably could have used Harry Kane is what I'm gonna say but definitely did a good job of shutting down Chelsea who have looked pretty much the best team in the Premier League so far and we're just beaten outmanaged I would say on this day yeah yeah I mean I think you're right there um I uh I really enjoyed and also really hated the Liverpool matchup uh on um what was that saturday i can't remember days anymore one of those that days. was uh it was it was exciting <laughs> it was electric i remember specifically the moment where uh at the end of it they had a i think it was liverpool had a really um good opportunity at goal and um it barely missed and uh Klopp and thomas frank just sort of both looked at each other and gave like wide eyes exasperated <laughs> sort of looks um you know just kind of a almost a, a funny moment between those two um but you know i think brentford this was maybe even though they won their first game against arsenal and and have had some good moments i think maybe this was their coming out party as sort of the shall we say the leads united of this mm. year is like the team that has been recently promoted that I don't think has much to worry about in terms of sticking around and they're exciting and they've got momentum behind them and, and they've got a lot of club energy and, and there'll be one really that I'm going to be kind of looking for their games and, and, you know, Ivan Tony uh, really looked great. And um, yeah, I, I thought they, they looked really strong and I don't think this was a case of, um, you know, Liverpool being, poorly shaped or lazy or sloppy. I mean, I'm sure there was some of that, but I think Brentford just played really well and, and matched goal for goal. And, you know, they deserved to take a pot, uh, a point out of this. So. Yeah. I think Ivan Tony is kind of the real deal too. I like this Brentford team a lot. And like you said, Stephen, they were, you know, open to kind of seeding possession to Liverpool possession stats were 67% for Liverpool, but expected goals were 2.72 to 2.61 for Brentford. So that just tells mm -hmm. you that, you know, Brentford were okay kind of being able to absorb some of that pressure and springing the counterattack and keeping a pretty wide open game that the pace of this game, Stephen, the pace of this game alone was breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty much nonstop. So uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Anything else from the weekend that you wanted to point to before we move on? I guess we should probably talk about Manchester United versus Aston Villa, probably, huh? 
you think? I guess. I guess I, we should probably talk about that. I was going to let you off the hook if you didn't <laughs> want to, but go ahead and talk us No, I think it's important feel. to talk about it because it <laughs> really kind of focuses in on the problems at Manchester United of like, this is a team. I was thinking about this on the run. I went for a run before the podcast. And when I went for the run, United were currently losing one nothing to Villarreal in the Champions League. So I was like fully on the fire Ole train, but I backed off it a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Cooler heads did prevail. But it just points to the problem of like maybe, you know, you're spending the second most amount of money in the Premier League on salary. Maybe instead of bringing in Ronaldo and Jaden Sancho, you probably needed a defensive midfielder because that is still like your biggest problem and you've done nothing in three years to fix that. And Aston Villa pretty much exploited that in this game to where oh, Cristiano Ronaldo isn't a defensive midfielder. So how true. are they supposed to bring him in too? You know, I guess there really isn't anything you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is one of those frustrating games where Manchester United did kind of dominate the game and dominate the run of play and just didn't have anything to show for it, which is something that you see from then more frequently than I would like to see. What are your, what's your kind of read on that, Stephen? Where do you kind of see them going as far yeah, as I like, mean, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I feel like they're kind of not quite on the same level of contention as as Chelsea and Man City. Mm -hmm. And I would put Liverpool as the third say. of those three, but not probably quite in, you know, I think there is a gap between them and Man U right now. Um, Man U has a ton of talent right now and and they could maybe find another gear and get into that group but you don't totally trust ole to be the guy to do it i don't think and some of their talent like you said is kind of like you know they're not like chelsea where they just have world-class players at every position and depth to spare you know or even um liverpool where maybe they're not quite the the internationally recognized name, but they just fit together as one really cohesive unit. Like I think man, you has some tremendous talents and some really underrated guys, but there are still some big holes. Like you pointed to defensive midfield being the biggest. And I just don't know how you're going to ultimately try and, and win a, a league title against the competition this year without, with any holes on your team pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit on it in that they're a team of like individual brilliance. There are so many good players on this team, but they kind of lack that, I don't want to say tactical familiarity because I think if you put these players with on a stronger coach team, that it looks a lot different, but they definitely mm -hmm. don't look like a team that's cohesive enough to win the title. It's a long season and you have to look good a lot of the time. And I feel like there are so many games where they're just bailed out by players putting on like spectacular performances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um yeah, uh, Ian, quick question. If you had to fire one Premier League manager uh, by name, who would that be? That Nuno guy. Nuno. <laughs> That's what I say. Nuno, Espiritu Santo is gone. I was going to say, uh, how, what's the shelf life of coaches in the Premier League? Does it vary a lot or do people stick around for long periods of time? Is it pretty, yeah, pretty quick to fire? It's genuinely it's anywhere from like six weeks. To like... I think the average, I'm not sure if it's still this, but a couple of years ago, the average for like a top flight manager was three years. 
So that's taken in like your long time guys and your guys who have fired after like six weeks. So mm -hmm. like compared to American sports, it's very like hot trigger. Good. Yeah, I, I, I would say <laughs> on the on the downside, the trigger is so much faster than anything I've ever hmm. seen in the US. Like they really will if, if someone's just not working. Like Nuno's an example. Like he could for sure really be fired in the next month. And that would be like his second month on the job, really. You know, I mean, I know because yeah, I was there. I was looking at summer, like his but... coaching history and everything. And I was like, did he do poorly with Wolves? But he was there for like, it looked like three years pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, oh, fun fact year? Bob Bradley holds like the record for fastest coaching stinks. He's fired after <laughs> like four games at Swansea. So nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Making America proud. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's all over the map. And and that's one of the reasons it's kind of fun to watch. And people that should have been fired months ago and years ago somehow keep keeping their jobs and years cases ago, too. So, um, well, I don't know about years, but, you know, a, lo a long time. I'd say um, years. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of managers who should probably lose their jobs let's talk about greg berhalter's united states roster just kidding we are decidedly greg agnostic on this here podcast yeah i think that's fair that's a fair way to put um, it <laughs> we're we're not we're not furious we're not excited we're solidly in the middle mm -hmm. um, some of us need more information <laughs> Anyone in particular, Ian, or just some of us? I mean, um, I think it averages out to like a third. <laughs> uh, the roster for the upcoming, uh, what's the word they use? It's not like a triad. It's like, like a window, World Cup qualifying window. window. Okay. Yeah. Three I thought games. there was some specific word <laughs> for the three games. But anyway, uh, home versus Jamaica, away at Panama, home versus Costa Rica arguably our our easiest trio of this qualifying whole campaign so definitely one we need to take advantage of um and there are some major changes we've got a roster that features sean johnson zach stefan and matt turner in net uh sean johnson's the only change they're replacing why is his name escaping me help me ethan Justin. horvath ethan horvath who hasn't been playing great in uh where is he at nottingham forest i was trying to think uh -huh. like where did robin hood live uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course so replacing um, with sean johnson is a player who's been playing for new york city and so like he's like pretty yeah. good this year so and i'm mean, not mad that doesn't matter a ton because no, you figured third goalkeeper he's not getting a start <laughs> ahead of either of the other two guys so uh on defense george bellow john brooks serginio dest mark mckenzie shaq moore tim ream chris richards is in uh, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, and DeAndre Yedlin coming all the way from Galatasaray, which I will not miss an opportunity to say. Uh, Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams are in midfield, along with Gianluca Busio coming over from Venezia. Luca Della Torre also joining, uh, not at the last window. Sebastian Legette. Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa also back. It's a big, it's big. There's a couple big names as we'll mm -hmm. talk about in a minute. And Christian Roldan, uh, who will be, I, I will, if I guarantee anything entering this window, I guarantee that Christian Roldan will be subbed on at a completely inexplicable time at some point 
during these three and games. it I'm, could I'm play confident. at any position you never oh, know yeah where he's could be goalkeeper God only knows. <laughs> um he could be the line judge you know greg just replaces the linesman with uh christian rolled up someone else and then, know that. yeah and then the forward groups uh some excitement and some not brendan aronson paul Ariola. you can't can't go without paulie uh matthew hoffy is back from Majorca, Ricardo Pepe, the once and future king of U.S. Mm-hmm. men's national team, who even needs Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Giassi Zardes, also in the forward group. So the big notable absences here are Gio Reyna and uh, Christian Pulisic, obviously. Um, Shaq Moore came in over Joe Scally. Uh, Green, Peafock, and Josh Sargent all left off uh, after what we saw last time. That's probably justifiable. Yeah, I would um, say so. Josh I'm, I mean, we're big Josh Sargent stands on this podcast, but even yeah, I would say that uh... <laughs> hasn't been great. Um, Eunice Musa and Tim Weah make their way back after injury kept them out. Busio Hoppy and Delatore are also back in the fold after kind of getting their European situations settled and getting their feet under them a bit. Um, there are 27 players in this group, but Pulisic or Reina could theoretically be added if they turn up to be healthy in time, but that is on. The yeah. We're looking game. at like it's the last game because neither of them would be able to play in Panama anyway, because Panama is still on the red list uh, for countries that English players won't be able to travel to. And I would just say that German players probably not either. Ooh, so, is the red list a COVID thing? Yeah. Yeah. They're on the, okay. they're on the COVID red list for some. I thought it was players. like a red or dead thing. The like, red or dead list. Like, uh, you know, with the premier league suddenly got really suspicious of communism in 2021. Um, I don't think they have. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I'm, I don't know. How do you feel about this? I'm Justin? pretty, I'm, I would call myself tepid. Like there's nothing to really get mad at. I think the only uh-huh. nitpick you would maybe have is like Joe Scally would maybe take over Shaq more, but I think then you're kind of arguing around the margins of this team. And I'm okay with Scally not coming because I almost like him. He's getting opportunity at Bayern Munich and Gladbach because their starting left back is hurt and he's playing kind of out of position. He prefers the right side at left back and has looked really good. Mm-hmm. But I almost don't want him to miss those games, you know, from like a, a playing time management standpoint. So he is or should be considered you know better than Shaq Moore but Shaq Moore is capable in the gold cup and you know I don't think there's really anything to be too mad about uh Busio has looked very good for Venezia the past couple of games so he's kind of growing into it De La Torre has looked good and from what I've seen of him even though I'm not sure how much playing time he would actually get uh happy to see McKenney back after what happened last time it's good that they've kind of got that past them um would maybe want to see some more out and out wingers on this roster, but I think Tim Weah is going to be just fine out there. And yeah, I'm excited to see what they do against like Jamaica. Excited to see kind of where that game goes. I think that has the potential to really kind of paint the picture for the rest of this window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a very winnable set of matchups. I think, you know, this is one of those situations where if they can go in and take nine points, then we're going to feel a lot better. Um, but I also don't think it's asking them too much to take nine points, even without Gio or Christian and possibly with Tyler Adams limited. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope they do. I'm, I'm hopeful about this, but like you said, a little tepid, you would love to know that the stars are there and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that we'll see a lot of Ricardo Pepe, which we only got to see a little bit of, I'm sure we'll see some Giassi's artists, which as we talked about last time, as much as we joke, he is a stabilizing force. Hey, he had two goals uh, for the right. crew last time out. So that's right. play so, the hot hand, man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, th- I do think there's some a little more solidity there. Um, and uh, hopefully with McKinney, we'll keep his head on straight and, you know, play and start all these games and captain the team the way he can. And, and it'll all be hunky-dory. Um hmm. You know, and and there's some youth movement there, some some guys that you really want to get to see play some, uh, especially Eunice Musa. I'll be watching closely. Um, you know, Busio to to a lesser extent, just because I've seen him more recently. Matthew mm-hmm. Hoppy played really well in the Gold Cup at, at the end. So, um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to say about that, or, or yeah, I think, anything? I didn't know? mention that Conrad De La Fuente was left off too, and I think that's yeah. probably. That would maybe be the one that I shake my head at a little bit just because of like the general lack of wingers that we already have. However, mm-hmm. like if we're planning on playing him on the same side as like Sergino Dest, we saw that that didn't really work out last time. So maybe you just bring a different skill set and bring him in to the fold next qualifier. Because that's the thing too, is that as my camera falls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing too, is... <laughs> that you know this can change a lot between now and the next qualifying window so yeah yeah uh i'm glad that you got that your world didn't just fall apart um ian you i don't think got to see a lot of the last window because all those games were weird times but uh how are you feeling are you excited to try and watch some uh, men's national team soccer it's the only team I'm excited to watch, Stephen. That's, that's the only one. Um, yeah, I am. I, I mean, I enjoyed the last game you and I watched against. Uh, who was that against? I got it. I got to know who it is. I can't remember. It's out Was it Honduras? No. I know that much. What was the draw last time, Justin, in the middle? Uh, El Salvador, Nashville. El Salvador. El Salvador. I think Canada. Yeah. Canada, Nashville. Not, we didn't play Nashville. We played in Nashville against Canada. <laughs> we might as well play Nashville. <laughs> I think it was El Salvador. We played we in El Salvador, right? Because that's when they yeah. were trying to yes. like make sure yes. the bags of pee weren't hitting the feet. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, national <laughs> pastime uh, in El Salvador. Um yeah, I'm, I mean, are these the next three games that we have listed here? Are those like the last three games for World Cup qualifying? So these are four, five, and six of 14. So we have 14 games in total. This is like oh, the wow. second okay. round, and we'll be playing three at a time. So we still have quite a ways to go. Okay, but I'm less scared. <laughs> <laughs> or now. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the, like how I'm feeling too, is I feel like we're like, Unless we come out of this window with like four points, then I'll be a little bit more panicked, but I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not too worried about it, but it, it is a very make or break window. If they somehow they somehow botch this, it's going to be a long road back and probably not one that Greg Rurhalter will lead them along would be my guess. So we shall see. Um the first of those games is the seventh. Is that right? I want to say it's the seventh. Sure. That sounds right. It's the seventh. We declared it. <laughs> um, 
the champions league has started uh ian real quickly what is the champions league Ooh, here we go uh the league for the champions um <laughs> yes <laughs> i know the top three teams in the premier league make it four. right four four oh man you know one more than three um and then how many in like other leagues like how many out of like bundesliga make it uh, Bundesliga league, I think. get four, like pretty much the big European yeah. game, team bit leagues all get four, and then everyone else gets like three, two, or one, and then like some qualifying games to make it to the big stage. Okay, so how many like make it in total? Like how big is Champions League? Then? Uh, the opening group is 32, I believe, right? Yes, yes and then 32, then and then they go down to 16 for the knockouts. Yeah, so with those groups in mind, uh, we have seen two games i think from everyone so yeah this was the end right before we hopped on that was it for match day two um, so we uh have some clarity and some real confusion about what's going on here first in group a we have psd psd psg and club bruges as the uh first and second place team holding off man city who lost to, to club was it PSG? They lost to PSG lost yesterday. PSG. Da, da, yes. Da. Sorry, I was looking under next and I was like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> uh, and then RB Leipzig is in last place with zero points and has to go play Perry uh, next time. So doesn't look great for them. Liverpool survived a scare with AC Milan in their first game in Group B and then dominated FC Porto to surge out to six points and first place in the group they have atletico next uh who are in second place with four points fc porto is in uh, third place and milan has lost to both liverpool and atletico and has a long way to climb to try and get out of that um i didn't actually get to see the liverpool game yesterday justin but it sounded like you watched some of that how did that look yeah that was pretty dominant uh liverpool looked like very good it and... was nice to see after the fact that it was just the 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 traditional almost old school feeling big three scoring all the goals, you know. And that's yeah, been that, a long time since that had to feel good. They looked yeah. nice and cohesive, and yeah. Porto didn't really have anything they could do about it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since all of those guys have been scoring on all cylinders at the same time. So that could be really promising. Uh, Ajax is in uh, maybe a bit unexpectedly in first place, um, but this is a very have and have nots mm-hmm. um, group here with Dortmund as also second place with six points. Uh, Besiktas and Sporting uh, CP is that that's Portugal as well. Right? Yeah, it's Lisbon. Um, are uh, pulling up the rear there. One of them will have to presumably get at least one point in the next game as they play each other. They can't both walk away with zero points. So, um, you know, good for yeah, them. I actually <laughs> looked really good. I was watching this game because yeah. it was reported that like uh, Pepe was being scouted by Ajax. I, I was, was looking say, at it. Would you say they're one Ricardo Pepe away from? I would say so. Like honestly, <laughs> like they looked <laughs> really good, and they just didn't have anybody like in the center. And that I think Pepe, if he goes there, they're going to pay a lot of money for him. He'd be starting, and there's a lot of quality service there for him to play some Champions League games. Yeah, uh, Ian, um, can you can you speculate wildly for us where Ajax plays? It's a city that's already been mentioned on this mm. podcast today. Oh, that's an Easter egg. 
Oh no! Is it Amsterdam? <laughs> it oh, is. You did it. <laughs> Ooh, that was almost too easy. Well I'm done. Hot. I'm, I'm one for one. I'm hot. <laughs> um, they uh, they're a fun team. I I kind of like them just sort of traditionally. Yeah, I like their weird sort of like uh, pencil drawing logo too. That's a big favorite of mine. So. They had a uh, Bob Marley inspired kit this year too. That was real nice looking. Yeah. I gotta say. Yeah. Um, the moving on now to uh, who I would say are the absolute heartthrobs of the tournament. Uh, it's FC Sheriff with back-to-back wins, uh, beating Real Madrid and uh, was it Shakhtar that they beat this time? Yeah. Well, Shakhtar they beat the first game. Real Madrid oh, sorry, is who they beat me. yesterday. Yeah, that's obviously a dro- a jaw dropping shocker. Um, their their star player whose name escapes me at the moment, I believe, has a picture of himself dreaming of playing in the champions league tattooed on his calf which was from before this was ever even uh realistically a possibility um ian you want to tell us where fc sheriff plays <laughs> that's too oh, no. that's too that's too me uh they uh, also play in a non-recognized country uh so here's some fun facts about fc sheriff <laughs> not recognized too, yeah. by who uh, by the European government, I would say. Um, they're like oh, a quasi-communist, self-governed uh, state, but they're technically in uh, Moldova. I'm Except, interested. Yeah, it's very fascinating. And they're kind of like the the giants of Moldovan soccer. And now it'll just be like that forever since they got two wins in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean... I a win that's... for soft fascism everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the flag, though, uh, I'm going to post it here in the notes. Um, you know, I would say keeping it real. It's it's colorful. It's a little much, but it's it's something. You know, I don't hate it. Um, a little uh, cartoony, I would say. That'd be a my little cartoony, sure. But you got to keep people's eyes distracted from the oppression. You know, that's true. so that's saying that's a good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a, a statue of Vladimir Lenin taking flight in trans. Nistria, Tiraspol, Transnistria. So you know, it's uh it's a real, it's a real city. It's, it's a real great, vibe. It's a real vibe up there. Hammers and sickles <laughs> and, and everything abundantly. But even in spite of that, uh UEFA as a whole is sort of a criminal organization. So we're able to look, I mean, overlook you know, soft oppression for a good underdog story. Like <laughs> <laughs> beating real madrid certainly did that that was you know people joked after one game uh what were their chances of of winning the group or escaping into the round of 16 but now that they beat real madrid outright and have six points it's not impossible it's Um, wild yeah i feel like um that's a shocker and and it'll be interesting and you know they'll have one more game against uh And uh, that'll be, you know, presumably nine points. And, you know, can Real and Inter make that up with two games uh, with a game left to play against each other? Can they both catch um, FC Sheriff? It's hard to know. It's interesting. And I would say that Real still win this group pretty comfortably. But like Inter and Shakhtar tying, drawing was not a good result for either of them, especially like Inter if they want to make it out. So Inter yeah. pretty much need to win at least 
win three and tie one to be able to make it out you would think mm-hmm. um unless tears will just get no points the rest of the way which i don't know not very good odds on that because i would ex- expect them to at least you gotta draw somewhere yeah for sure yeah they're red hot uh group e byron munich unsurprisingly unabashed as the number one with six points bin fika yeah they look good. the second place with four dynamo kiev in third place and of course since there's a you know since it's fourth place in the group stage it must be some uh ignoble barely notable club um what's it called uh bar bar barcelona yeah i've never heard of them um yeah i mean the living embarrassment that is barcelona's 2021 22 Mm. campaign just continues apace and uh, I don't know if I think they're going to make it out of this group, to be honest. I would you. say not. Like, I think yeah. I was thinking about this. So I was thinking about this from the context of like Ronald Koeman, who you would probably expect to be let go because they've been struggling in La Liga too. But mm-hmm. it's every much to do with how this team is constructed. So do you maybe stick with the coach instead of firing him and then put yourself in more of a financial strain? However, mm-hmm. watching this team play, they are out of ideas. And I don't think you can... Yeah keep a coach for that long when the team like actively doesn't know how to move the ball forward mm-hmm. but yeah, they pretty... still have good quality they're just not right, the Barcelona that we expect them to be it's pretty rough it's pretty bad um Benfica are fun I like uh like seeing them up there um so that'd be fun if they advanced group f at Atlanta these are I feel like this is your spiritual group and mm-hmm. your actual group because man yeah. you is in it uh at Atlanta in first place four points up the big showdown against man united uh be a real fun game. game how do you feel about that are you uh you solidly man united or are you a little wish i know because atalanta are like those are that's my team right like man yeah. U's team i've liked since childhood atalanta is like my they're my new guys right yeah. uh and they play really exciting soccer that game against young boys was very much back and forth and atlanta like mm. dominant but they can score from like any type of build up which against man united probably could be a recipe for a disaster because United are good at absorbing that and then hitting you on the counter. So I think it's going to be a fascinating game and a very back and forth up and down game, which will be fun to watch. Yeah, agreed. It'll be fun for sure. Um, uh, Young boys is in second in this group. Technically they're tied on three points with man United and Villarreal bringing up the rear, not much of a chance. I don't think to advance here. But who knows? Anything can happen. It's really interesting, too, because all these games, there haven't really been like a blowout game in this group yet. So like every team has been in every game. So after two games, a lot can change. It's very fast. This is my favorite group, obviously, because my favorite teams are in it, but also because it's very anyone could still advance through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun one for sure. kind of the opposite end of that spectrum (laughs) where anyone could advance but it's not fun at all Salzburg is in first place uh Sevilla in second Wolfsburg tied also at two points and Lille uh in the fourth position but anyone could still win this group of uh pretty relevant teams that will be fodder for the big clubs whoever wants it anyone could have it yeah any one of these teams could be sacrificed to manchester city in this in the first round of 16 so you won Bayern, you got them yeah exactly (laughs) congratulations and then in group h juventus chelsea zenit uh all with three well juventus has six points chelsea and zenit have three and malmo 
they uh, are gonna they are gonna mal go right out of this group and yeah they zenit scored four on them today and that's not promising that's 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 not not great great. (laughs) they're Um, gonna they play chelsea next which uh should or they play juventus next i guess no yeah yeah they play chelsea next which would not be good not be good yeah it's not ideal um yeah um any thoughts overall on the uh on the uh champions league that i totally forgot what i was supposed to call this no i think this is like the most fun i've had watching the champions league in a while and i think because there's so many teams that could win it and also like so many teams in turmoil that there's a lot to watch every day and like this last match day it was very fascinating so it's been fun and uh all glory to our overlords in Tiras Bowl, and hopefully they listen to this pod, and we are now sponsored by them. So that's that's my oh, angle anyway. That's a given. Anytime yeah. you can get sponsored by, uh, you know, communists, uh, soft communists, gentle, right, right. gentle. Not full, not full out. It's even it's not full out fascism. It's only like quasi-fascism. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been fun. And moving on from the Champions League, young boys aren't the only young boys you've been Ew. watching lately. Justin, uh, you've been paying attention to the academy, even getting some scoops from inside. You've been writing a lot. You should plug your writing as well, Justin. Uh, why don't you talk to us about the St. Louis City SC Academy? We are gathered here, after all, as a St. Louis City mm, SC podcast. Right. Uh, but you know, until until we can record a podcast live from the big ramp on the parking garage, I don't know. Uh, you know that kind of takes a backseat. That's so true. Until we falls in your court from Carolyn. the Razzmatazz staircase. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wrote about this a little bit on our Soccer Talk Lads podcast medium page, which you can find. It's linked on our Twitter and on our Instagram and anywhere that you most likely already are follow us on. Uh, but I talked a little bit about, you know, what to expect out of this academy team. And I was talking to some I was talking to my cousin and he was saying that <laughs> they're kind of feeling the pressure because it is, you know, coming from a select team where, you know, they're going to move on eventually. Now they're playing for a team with MLS aspirations, a team who like one, they're expecting these players to be ready for our kickoff season. And a couple of those players are going to be on the team. So there's a lot of pressure to improve, a lot of pressure to play well. And I think they're feeling it not in a bad way. These players are good they're highly regarded within the United States academy systems within the United States kind of ecosphere, but they definitely have some adjusting to make. And they lost to Sporting Kansas City of the U-17s did. The U-16s went to one. The U-17s lost five to one and looked, I don't want to say lost. I don't want to say that an academy team really lost, but they let Sporting kind of take the game to them, I would say. And there's a learning mm. experience there. I wouldn't say that they were I'll talented because it was definite that they belonged there, but something in the way that they approached the game, in the way that they kind of played the game out, they just allowed too many open chances and too many kind of breakdowns in the back. And diagnosing a single game of a U17 team probably isn't, there probably isn't a lot there to gain from that, but charting their development, they started high, they've had this lull the past couple of games, so now we're kind of watching to see what kind of adjustments they can make as players. And that'll tell you a lot about what kind of pros they're going to be in the future. 
Yeah. Ian, in your experience as a, a journeyman academy prospect in the major league, in the uh, premier league lacrosse, mm. uh, what are your thoughts on being a young player trying to break through in a, on a new team and in an unproven sport? You definitely don't want to stand out. You need to fit in with everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, top notch advice for me. Yeah. And right there. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine I've, for me personally, that'd be very anxiety inducing, you know, and mm. I know that they're, I know that these are kids that are athletes, but they are still kids. And it does yeah. just kind of, um, I don't know. I think people give a little more leeway to, to kids when it comes to feeling that pressure versus say like, you know, a seasoned athlete or somebody that's in a, in an actual like pro league or something like that. And it's something to take in consideration whenever you look at like academy teams, I think. Yeah, I think for sure. It's, it's such a weird um, situation too, in many ways, because it's like, they're basically the team right now, you know, and like, obviously they're not getting the same level of scrutiny that like they will, you know, that the full MLS team will receive. But for weirdos like us who are already like, you know, really, really into this team and really paying close attention, that's kind of all we got. So like, it's a, it's a bit of a weird um, situation for them to be in from that perspective. And then, like you said, the, just the, the, added pressure of sort of being plucked from, you know, plucked from obscurity to, you know, being in this developmental system. And they have to be seeing that, like, you know, not that, not that any of them are Ricardo Pepe, but like this, the MLS whole development system is starting to have some serious proof of concept Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, not just finding players for MLS, but finding players who go on to careers in, in global soccer and go on to be pretty significant stars. And so, you know, yeah, and I think to to speak a little bit to that, there are already reports when they kind of announced the team that Beard was getting looked at by some Bundesliga teams already. So, you yeah. know, even in even in that system, it's already kind of at there. Yeah. So it's just like this isn't you know this isn't just like oh we're you know having a laugh and trying to make the MLS team. It's it's, it's pretty serious stuff, and you can really. You know, if you prove yourself, you can really get a, a career in soccer, which I'm sure is what all of these all of these guys would want and, and long for. So it's it's pretty legit for sure. And, and, you know, very awesome. But also I can see why they're feeling some some pressure there. But I think, as I said, uh, I believe the last time you and I spoke, Justin, I really feel like this team is doing everything the, about the right way, you know, about as about as well as you can do it mm-hmm. um, from a. Uh, from a development perspective, from building the team out long-term, you know, we don't have a coach yet. We don't know a lot about what the ultimate, you know, the team will eventually look like, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's everything that we've seen so far has been pretty great and pretty exciting. So definitely pretty, pretty hyped about that. Yeah. I'm excited to see kind of what's next because Surely, shortly, you'll start seeing at least the coaching higher. By this point, some teams had already like signed their first DPs, which I'm not too worried about. I couldn't care much less if we sign a DP a year before we play or not. That doesn't really mm. matter too much. And the teams that have done it haven't necessarily seen success because of that. I know that was what like some of the Charlotte fans were saying was that we're so excited about our app that they've already signed DP players by this time. And I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me, but once yeah, you the start, app was, the app is pretty sweet. 
app so. is pretty sweet and it's translated into Spanish and Bosnian, which I thought was really cool, really cool aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, that's really, they took the time to to really go into that and that's pretty cool. But yeah, to like, to tie it all up in a bow, you know, this could go south at any point, but I think I have faith in Let's and I have faith in the all the moves that they made so far and that they've earned, not just in the way that the Academy is playing and producing, but I think they've earned a little bit of leeway even, you know, after they make those announcements to kind of see what the product on the field ends up looking like first before we get too upset about it. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't, uh, I would not be panicking right now about really anything. So <laughs> nothing, the panic meter is at zero. Yeah. The, the and plus we gotta, you know, we gotta wait on our DP so that we can sign uh Messi when he's done with PSG. So that's Why right. Um, rush into mm-hmm. it. It's just stupid, honestly. Uh, yeah, Miroslav Panic's deal is up, I think, uh, six months before we're coming to the league. So let's just sign him on a pre-contract and then you have to play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, that's kind of all we had pre-prepared to talk about. Is there anything anyone else would like to bring up before we call it a day? I mean, unless Ian, I know there's probably a lot on Ian's head that he would like to talk yeah, about. Yeah, anything on your mind, Ian, that you want to talk about? These dogs are going crazy over here. Um, <laughs> you know, I was pissed. Um, <laughs> oh, they got I a think, lot to say. <laughs> um, I was more just curious on your, two, on your two's opinions. Um, when you have teams like, if we can go all the way back to the Premier League, you have teams like um, Hotspurs and you have teams like Arsenal and they're both like three and three right now, I believe. Like, is there a lot of movement within the Premier League in terms of like how people start versus how they finish? Or is this an instance of where like if people have a pretty strong start, they're going to be, they're going to be moving. They're going to be staying at the top of the standings versus a middling team already. is kind of like floundering as is. Do you see people go on runs a lot or? Yeah. That's I mean, kind of thing. There can be runs for sure. I think, you know, in this case, with the top of the table being kind of the teams you'd expect Mm -hmm. to be out there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't expect a lot of change like Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea and Man Man United being the top four. That's probably going to be your top four at the end of the season too. Um, But like, you know, Brighton could fall off. They're currently in six that's a big surprise i would say for most people and so you could see them fall um you know you could see a team like leicester down in 13th surge or or norwich you know they could get hot i don't know if they're gonna get hot it looks pretty bad for norwich but but for example like leeds leeds united i don't necessarily expect to actually be in the relegation fight when when it's all said and done like i don't know i i think it kind of, you kind of know who the top of the table are and you kind of know who the bottom of the table are, but there can be some pretty big movement between those two uh, as the season progresses. What are your thoughts, Justin? Yeah. And like, especially, you know, six games in, you can definitely quote unquote lose your season six games. Like say, if you are Lester and you're in 13th place, your title hopes are probably somewhat gone if you had them to begin with. And sure you could go on a run, but the likelihood of, city or chelsea dropping that far probably isn't going to happen but there is something to be said for like the teams that you played in six games you could have played the entire like top five which i think uh there are some teams that have had kind of a rough run up so you would maybe kind of discount their 
first six games or discount start of the season and know that they're going to finish strong and look go towards the end. So I would say, yeah, those middling places, like you could go on a run and probably finish in champion league, league spot. We've seen top teams that have been, you know, closer to the relegation spots and they have been in the champions league spots go on runs towards the last half of the season and kind of make their way up. But for like hopes to win a title, you definitely want to start strong and finish strong and be strong all the way and just never have a bad run of games. It's hard. It's hard to win a title. Right, Tottenham's finished. All right. Yeah. The, yeah. The, so Tottenham well, probably aren't going to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to throw that out there too there's much. There's a lot and, of words to dash my. Yeah. We're verging on hot take territory here, but I don't think Tottenham are going to win the league. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's spicy i don't know if folks can handle anything that hot but um let us let's have it yeah here we are that's that's where we're that's where we're at so folks i, th- I think that's it i think that's the the podcast for this week ian has returned to us we have never felt so happy to be alive sure um Ian and I have a, a fantasy hockey draft tonight for folks that are interested um, in that. Which is the <laughs> Tune into <long> that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> check that out. We'll be streaming on Twitch. Um, Twitch it's on the Twitch. Yeah, it's on the Patreon. Twitch Platinum on the Patreon. Yeah, so <laughs> you check it out. Ian's got a bold strategy of only drafting players 26 years old or younger. So, you know, see if he sticks to it. I bet it'll be violated by the very first pick. So, <laughs> um <laughs> That's a coin toss. Justin, have you ever done any sort of uh, soccer Premier League fantasy? I haven't. I always, so here's my thought process. I always want Uh to do it. And then by the time game one rolls around, I have forgotten about it completely to draft a team. So unless we start a league next year, I probably will forget again. Which yep, maybe we should start a league next that year. That seems right. <laughs> I would have to have any idea how uh, Premier League fantasy works, but it'd be fun. I'd do it. I will I'd say demand. that it might be nice, you know, if like Ian's case, it's a good way to like learn gateway players, to learning about know? players and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we do that. Uh, as many gateways as possible. Yeah. yeah right. Put your, put your name down now for the Soccer Talk Lads Premier League fantasy uh, lineup next season and. You know, you'll get a call from you'll be abused into oblivion by our robo callers trying to sell you various, you know, ointments and supplements um, between now and then. But when, yeah, I'm once uh, you actually get the writing call, some code for gift pot to get on that. So, yeah, perfect, just be on the lookout for that. Yeah, not that we control him or, or know him <laughs> or related to him in any way. So, um, until next time, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will be back, I'm sure, to talk about the U.S. men's national team games, hopefully with happy news and glad tidings. But until then, uh, I heard a, I heard um, it was on the most recent, or probably by now the second most recent with as prolific as those guys are, um, uh, Total Soccer Show podcast. And they asked, um, they asked the guest uh, who should be the what song should encapsulate the U.S. men's national team? And I forget he said what um, what it is right now or what it feels like, and I'm it's escaping me. Oh, my own worst enemy by Lit okay. um, yeah. as the yeah. team's current song. But he said that the ideal song would be Nine to Five by Dolly Parton, which I really vibed with. Um, oh, for sure. You know, and so hopefully we'll see that workman attitude, that kind of um, Weston McKinney vibe to everything. Uh, and that kind of passion and, and, and stuff show through to the forefront. And we'll see 
three big wins, or at least let's at least get seven points from this, shall we? You know, there's a there's seven. a Nashville joke in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm just gonna let it lie. about Nashville for sure, <laughs> but we're gonna leave it alone. <laughs> but due respect to Dolly Parton, who is the patron saint of the U.S. men's oh, national team, God bless her, uh, and our very own hearts. Uh, we will see everybody next time. Have a great day. Adios. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five working nine to five what a Step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away In the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn